We're on a mission from God. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy holiday season's greetings. Christmas is just around the corner, a week from tomorrow. Wow. And people have their feelings about that, have sentiments about that. We might get into that a little bit later. During this hour, I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And we are always ably assisted at the board. He's the guy that keeps us on an even keel. Bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. You can expect nothing but coal in your stocking this year. Benny, I have it on good authority. Feelings, nothing (laughs) more than feelings. Feelings of diamonds instead of coal. There we go. There we go. Hey, with, with, hey, don't quit your day job, yeah, Benny. At least with job, at least with coal, you have the beginnings of a diamond. That's, that's what the I, that's thing. my but point. It's going to take a, a lot of pressure and a lot of patience <laughs> to get that that yield <sighs> out of yet. some coal mine in South <laughs> yeah, Africa. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're so delighted to be with everybody today. You know, I have to say now, I don't know how you folks out there in Puget Sound are expressing your holiday spirit. Suzanne and I have a lovely tree, thanks to her sharp eye at the local lot. And we brought it in, we decorated it, I think in record time this year, Suzanne. And since then, I'm looking and yes, you know, you can accuse me of bragging, but don't think it doesn't have a downside when I say that temperature yesterday around here in Sarasota, Florida, where we reside was 85 degrees there, and I'm thinking now, you know, and there's a complaint attached to that. What is wrong with you? Plenty is wrong with me. But at 85 degrees, you know, we do. We know we're not going to see a white Christmas around here. If we do, then guess what? Australia is now at the top of the world. If that's the case, <laughs> if we get that. But uh, it's just sometimes difficult to put yourself in a seasonal frame of mind because of all the associations we have going back to our childhood. You, now, you're from Chicago, Suzanne. You know about white Christmases. Well, I do, but you don't, having grown up in Southern California. So I'm not sure why it would be an issue for you. It would be an issue for me, but I'm happy not to shovel snow. There was a time, and this, of course, is many, many years running, where I couldn't round a corner without hearing Bing Crosby's voice, or maybe Gene Autry. You know, Perry Como, for crying out loud, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all the greats. And now here in Florida, you know, there are still plenty of people in our general neighborhood who haven't put out any sort of decorations. Plenty have, but plenty have not. Okay. And this is Christmas time. I want some Christmas spirit, damn it. And I want it right now. And it's okay if the temperature drops down to a more seasonable 75 degrees here. Although I've noticed, Benny, there, and you get together the traffic reports and you see what's going on out there. 42 degrees, I'm saying 42, 44. Yeah, it's par for the course here. Par for the course. Par for the course, as I well Mm -hmm. remember. Mm -hmm. And we watch the Weather Channel every morning just to see, you know, what's going on. Elsewhere. Elsewhere. (laughs) Are they faring elsewhere? (laughs) And they had a gorgeous shot of Leavenworth. The streets were clear. They were wet, but they were clear. And there was this dusting in the mountains. And I thought, oh, man, 
Christmas in Leavenworth. It wouldn't get much better than that. Yes, and they've changed things up. You know, they usually do the one tree lighting uh, every night. Uh, they've actually, you know, they're not they're not doing that much anymore. They're trying to eliminate, you know, the crowds from all of, you know, the contraction of, uh, you know, COVID and so forth. So they're taking a different approach this year. So they're doing it um, more often, which is, uh, or they're just leaving them up. Oh, very good. So Very good. And don't forget zoo lights now going on right. down at Point Defiance mm-hmm. Zoo and Aquarium in Tacoma. If you get a chance to go out there, it is gorgeous. Otherworldly, really. It's quite an experience. We're going to talk to a native Seattleite today and have quite an experience with Reverend Bonnie Barnard. She's a friend of ours. It's nice when we have guests who also are in our personal lives as treasured friends and at holiday time, maybe this is where the door to holiday spirit opens up and Bonnie walks in with her, without her, her reindeer antler uh, earmuffs that she likes to wear sometimes out in public, though God knows why. (laughs) <laughs> she's looking like say what excuse me she's shaking her Never. head no on zoom i must be thinking of someone else bonnie we're going to do your mad props and then we'll get this party in gear reverend bonnie barnard received her bachelor of arts in religious studies same as gary man hey hey and her doctorate of divinity before her religious ordination in the church of religious science she is the author of forgive your way to freedom the good life Daily Lessons for the Mystic in Training, Affirmative Prayer, Qualities of God, Qualities of Being, Metaphysical Lent, and 30 Days of Joy. Her website is bonniebarnard.com. We'll be sure to give that out before the end of the hour. And welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Bonnie Barnard. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. And it's good to be with you. And I can actually see you on Zoom. So I feel like we're in each other's living rooms. This is really fantastic. Yes, it is. It is nice. You made a full circle to come back to the place where you started. And I I thought that would be a good place for us to start because you have, within the last um, period of time, moved back to Seattle. So why don't you say what, what happened with that journey? Yeah, boy. So um, I was called to leave Seattle a long time ago, and I ended up down in Arizona, which I loved every minute of, and then I was done. And you know, when you have those minutes and moments when you're done, it seems like nothing works anymore, like you're done and you have to move on. Well, I was done in Arizona and it was time to move on. And I knew I wanted to come back to the Pacific Northwest. I did not want to come back to Seattle. And as God would have it, I'm back in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I sold my house during COVID like any sane person would. And I um, went down to Mazatlan, Mexico to get some dental work done. And this was kind of the beginning of COVID-ish. It was November of last year. And down there, they had a lot of protocols in place for COVID because it's a tourist destination. And I felt very, very safe down there. And every time I'd call either back to Phoenix, where I no longer owned a home, or I'd call to Seattle, where I was going to temporarily live while I looked for a home, everyone said, don't come back. Like, like everything is closed down in the US, don't come back. So I ended up spending six months in Mexico, Mm. going from resort to resort. And by the time I came back, 
with all of my money in hand from the sale of my home in Arizona, I could no longer afford a house in the Pacific Northwest. Because as we all know, the housing prices went really crazy during that period. So um, I was houseless for quite a while and couch surfed and house sat and stayed at friends and did temporary rentals. And it was just really interesting until an opening happened here in Seattle. And um, so I am like three blocks away from where I grew up in Seattle. And if you don't think that God was all over that, then then you would be incorrect because- God laughs. I, I can hear God laughing right now. <laughs> I walk by the house I grew up in. I walk by all these houses where I knew the previous owners, but I don't know the owners now. So it's a really interesting- revisitation of my childhood. And um, I feel like I was put in a pressure cooker to get done with anything unconscious that hadn't been healed, to get it done, get it complete before I'm popped out to my next location. So it's been a really curious transition time and very different than I'd anticipated. That is interesting. And you said several things that were really triggering some thoughts in me, Bonnie. And, um, and, and that is the idea of, you know, loving where you're living and then getting to a point where you may still love it, but you know that it isn't right for you to be there at that time. That is a, a very interesting place to be. And I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. Where, where I've lived somewhere and I've said, I, I still love it, but I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And, and so then it was time to move on. And, uh, and then when you go back to visit, it's not the same. I, I grew up in Chicago and it is, it is nowhere near the place where I grew up as a child. It is so different. And, you know, so expanded. And of course, buildings got torn down and new buildings got put up and it's just not the same place, even though, you know, the planes will take you there. It's not the same place over time. So I, I find that experience interesting of returning to some place that you had so many experiences in, but you cannot possibly repeat those. All exactly. those people are gone. Exactly. It's so, um, I think one of the lessons we get to learn, and I don't like that word lessons, but one of the opportunities we have is to realize that life really is only change, that nothing stays the same. I was reading um, some of your blogs in preparation for today's show, and one of the notes I made was that you had written about the law of impermanence. There's actually a spiritual, physical law. And I, I was thinking, what a great thing for you to talk about as it appears as though, you know, we're going into yet another surge of COVID. We've got the holidays. There's just like all this stuff going on. And then you're writing about the law of impermanence. And I thought, what a great thing for you to talk about today. Yeah, it, the law of impermanence is that nothing stays the same and it's not supposed to. So I think as we're cultivating our spiritual 
awareness that one of the opportunities that we have is to really experience newness all the time. And it's interesting because the um, human rigid aspect of ourselves wants everything to stay the same. It almost appears like we think there's a safety and sameness. And one of the opportunities for us is to lean into that which is new and trust the new, just like we had trusted the old. And, um, and it's about being aware. And when you were talking about returning to Chicago, I returning to Seattle, I drove through downtown. I don't recognize the streets. It's been 15 years. And in that 15 years, Amazon has arrived. Google has arrived. I mean, the number of businesses that have changed the appearance of the streets. And now there's um, apartments where there didn't used to be and um, restaurants I've never heard of. And I would drive down streets that I used to take buses on as a teenager. And I would drive down the streets and not recognize where I was. I, I might as well be in another city. And so there's that aspect of my being that wants everything to remain the same and it just doesn't. And when that happens, then I get disappointed or frustrated or um, I don't enjoy myself where when I can remain in that state of curiosity and newness, then I get to have an opportunity of joy. And at this season of my life, I'm really voting for joy, you guys. <laughs> I was going to say there's a circularity to your travels, so that when you come back to the very neighborhood that spawned you, I mean, you're imitating the salmon. Just keep in mind that, you know, the True. salmon come to a bad end when they do that. We don't want that to happen to you, Bonnie. Well, you know, you have to define bad, Gary. I'm making a joke about, I don't want you to I swim know. back to an early I demise. Know. That's what I I'm know. saying. The salmon, they spawn and then they die. You, you perpetually have this youthfulness. I'm looking at you on Zoom. Our listeners don't have the luxury, but I'm looking at you. Uh, it could be 15, 20 years ago and you look the same. I'm looking for a, any crow's feet. Or is there a laugh line in there somewhere? You just have a kind of evergreen quality. Yeah, it's the green on the sweater. But thank you for saying that, Gary. Um, it's interesting because I have, when I was down in Arizona, I did a lot of teaching at the New Thought churches down there. And there were several women who told me that they, be, they entered into the thought philosophy of New Thought because they had, they had gone to churches with older people who looked young. And they said, if this philosophy youths you, I want it. So... There that you have it. Interesting. A philosophy that youths you. I, I like that. <laughs> interesting way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. But I'm and laughing. I'm laughing, Gary, because um, I am also at that season where a lot of my friends are passing away. And in the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, I probably have had at least a third of my friends transition. And oh my goodness. And a, a full third of the people who call you friend. Yeah. And none are from COVID um, wow. mostly cancer from a bunch of different things. And so I've come to befriend death in such a way that when you say you come to your demise, it's like, yeah, 
wouldn't that be interesting if I came back to the neighborhood that I grew up in in order to transition? That would be really interesting. I am coming back to this neighborhood in order to transition. It just might happen in my body. Yeah, it might not be a physical transition, but it could very well be a mental transition, Bonnie, because, you know, there is these dying to old ideas, dying to old ways of being. I've been having a conversation lately about, you know, 2022, I always like to be optimistic about the next year coming up, but what would have to go away for my 2022 to be what I choose it to be and not just a repeat of the last couple of years? And sometimes you just have to die to old ways of thinking, being, acting, in order to have that, that resurrection into a new life, which could be more joyous. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you guys, I am not a big astrology gal. I believe in astrology. I just never studied it. Um, and so my friends who are big astrology people say that when you turn 60, um, that there's a Saturn return. Is that what it's called? Yes, a Saturn. It's every return. 29 years. So it's it would be, it can be 29, it, 58, 87. 58, 59. See, it's not like, you know, on a specific it, date. Right. But right. in that okay. time frame. Right. Okay. In that time frame. So um, so my behavior has matched up with a Saturn return. And okay. and the that which doesn't fit any longer um is showing itself to me in dreams or in waking time and is slapping me around a little bit and um I'm making different choices. Saturn is a karmic planet, and I speak as somebody who knows many astrologers without being one myself, but a Saturn return can be likened to the universe handing you your report card. This is the latest term as the universe measures it, right? As the Zodiac measures it. Here it is. This is how you're doing. This is what needs to be cleaned up. This is what looks promising. And it's presented to you in a way that is unavoidable. You can't close your eyes to a Saturn return because it imposes its revelations, its wisdom upon you, and you are left to deal with it. Yeah, so when I came back up here, what was really curious is my intent was to buy a house and I had cash in hand and was ready to go and went to all of the small little areas around like Port Townsend, Paulsbo, Spokane, Auburn. I mean, it used to be that anyone could buy a house in Spokane, I mean, right? And I got priced out of all of those markets upon my return. So then I started asking these little towns, where could I find a place to rent so I could try them on? And they all, all of the rentals were taken. And it, the only way you could get a place was word of mouth. And so I contacted everyone I knew in the little towns and said, I'm looking for a place. If you hear anything, let me know. And then I talked to my friends here in Seattle and said, likewise. And so I really was leaning into trust in a way that um, that was grossly uncomfortable because I did not know where I would land. It would really depend upon what became open. So here in Seattle, for example, for every available place to rent, there were 18 applicants. 
And, um, and depending upon what the landlord was looking for would depend on which one of that 18 would get the slot. So I had been told that it would be word of mouth. So one day I was out for lunch with a girlfriend who said, my parents have a mother-in-law in their home and um, would you be interested in renting it? Now that was after April, May, June, July, August, six months of being with, without a permanent location. And so that was the answer was here it came, it came through word of mouth, it was dished up and I said, yes. And I still find it just so amazing what it took to get me up here and to get me just down the street from where I grew up. I mean, I walked to my elementary school, you guys, it's two blocks away. Hmm. So you look at Seattle today, if you can say it in just a few sentences, and you really let in quite nicely, Bonnie, but the Seattle, and we got to account for nostalgia, that will skew results when we're reminiscing. <laughs> but when you think about the Seattle that you grew up in, and the Seattle today, do you feel sometimes like the numerous people who've said to me, our state got Californicated? People moved in here. The housing prices shot up. Yeah, you could sell for a lot more money than you ever dreamed of getting yeah. out of your house. Yeah. But then where are you going to move? There, And they look at the social stresses. There, I hear about the homelessness problem, which nationwide, it's not like other cities don't have. The West Coast in particular seems very hard hit. And then you have this the problem of drug abuse. I mean, imagine a practical solution to any problem being let's set up a needle exchange. And I'm not knocking needle exchanges. I'm saying, how do we get here? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's time and I think it's happening that our systems are so broken that we're having to recreate and rethink who we are and how we do life as human beings. And I have a lot of faith in the younger generations. <laughs> um, and that's not passing the buck because I'm at, I will actively be involved in the consciousness of creating the new as I have been since, and you guys have been since we were born. So we're part of that whole lineage, but it is time for recreation without a doubt. It has to be. And Seattle, you know, having the privilege of living multiple places, Seattle is not alone in these quandaries. The same, these same issues exist in Phoenix, where I moved from. I think that would be a pretty rough place to be homeless in summertime. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, it's a harsh desert climate out of which sprung this megalopolis, Phoenix and environs. I understand about that. That if you don't have the means whereby, that would be a brutally punishing place to be, regardless of any political considerations. Well, and I had the gift of being homeless while having money. So I could not, there wasn't a place for me to live. So I was without a home. I didn't have a mailing address. I was homeless. But I had means to be able to have a roof over my head. But I can say from those six months that it is really disconcerting to not have a place on the planet where you belong. That is interesting. It is a disruptor. It yeah. is a real disruptor. 
And it has you asking, as it did me many, many years ago in the mid 90s, there, what is the change that needs to happen for me? What I've done so far has worked in certain ways and so not worked in other ways. Who do I need to be going forward? And interestingly enough, Bonnie, shortly thereafter is when I met you because I started going to the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. At that time, it was located out on Sand Point, not far from Children's Hospital. And when I went there, I was just gobsmacked to discover that there is a philosophy and a way of life that does no violence to the religion I grew up in. I'm an old Catholic there. It does no violence. It shows me another way that has a, a tremendous, a startlingly effective spiritual dimension that beckons me to get into the slipstream of all that greater good and claim my share of it while seeking to help others when I can. And I thought that's a nice change of philosophy in midlife. Yeah, that is beautiful. And you know what I was just thinking, you guys, is that um, Jesus was born in a manger in the story. He, he, the, Jesus is seen symbolically as the birth of love. And so the birth of love was born without a home. I mean, the birth of, of love was born in a stable in the story, surrounded by strangers in the story. And when I think about it, I think, and, and this is where life is so magical. Yes, they're strangers, but they were all there at the, at the appointed hour, right? So I often think of like the four of us are on the Zoom call and this will never happen again. Talk about the law of in, impermanence. You know, Suzanne's hair will never be pulled back the way it is today. And, um, and Gary, you won't be wearing that outfit the way that you're wearing it. But even more important than the outward appearances are that who we are as human beings and how we think and the molecules, the, the cells in our bodies will never be the same. It's all impermanent. And here we come together for an hour to have a conversation. There, a group of strangers came together in a stable, not knowing why they were there or what was happening. And this child was born in the story that ended up changing the course of humanity. You know, that there was this, this miraculous moment, if it's looked at in a historic sense, where a group of, of people came together in order to support something that hadn't happened before. And that's what we're always doing in consciousness, right? Oh, we definitely are. And thank you for that, Bonnie, because I'd like to take our break now. We're at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, I want to pick up. That's an important thread. And it, uh, it deserves worthy consideration. So that's what we'll do on the other side of this break. We are Manson Mitchell. Reverend Bonnie Barnard is our honored guest of the hour. Hope your holiday season is going well. Give us a couple of minutes and we'll be right back. Right here at Seattle's North, Paul, uh, North Pole. And I can hear Benny's putting on his uh, Santa's Elves costume, banging out those toys because there is a shipping delay that has to be accounted for. And you can't always rely on FedEx to do everything for you. Sometimes you need a guy with a sleigh. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Bonnie Barnard, who has invested her adult life in finding and refining her spiritual practice. Begin 2022 by looking at life with new eyes. On Saturday, Carol Bromley, the Christmas Carol, returns from London with spirit messages for the holidays, the ultimate stocking stuffer, and God bless us, everyone. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Reverend Bonnie Barnard. It's Perry Como Day. Yeah. Benny was right. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Before we get back into our conversation, this is a point at the end of the break where we want to make sure that our listeners know how they can connect with you, Bonnie, so anything that you would like to say about your website, social media, classes, your books, anything, this is now you have the floor. Great. So um, I just sent all of the website texts. I'm having a brand new website built in January. However, you- your website is still available now at, at bonniebarnard.com. You must have done something wrong. She was making a face at us. <laughs> You remember the maternal counsel we all received. Your face is going to freeze like that. It did freeze. Okay, I'm going to try again. You okay. can go to bonniebarner.com and Good. sign up for my blog. And um, all new information comes out through the blog. I have a brand new website being built as we speak, and it will be coming out in January. In February, I am doing an online class, which will be six weeks in length, and it's called the Consciousness Cleanse. And it's for people interested in building vitality and restoring physical health. So that's going to be 
a cornerstone of um, the work that I offer. I've really pared down to what I do now, to the one-on-one -on -one sessions with folks and to the class. I am often sought after to do retreats. And I decided that as of 2022, I'm going to do one retreat a year. Oh. And so in October, I'm doing a retreat down in Mazatlan since I got to know the area so well. And um, I have booked a um, small hotel where I have rented all of the rooms in the hotel and we'll have the resort to ourselves so in october of 2022 there's a mexican retreat coming very good thank you hat dance optional <laughs> that'll be great i can hardly wait it'll be wonderful now is there going to be a menu that will eliminate the need to complain because i can recall going to a, a retreat an annual retreat i went there a couple of times and people didn't like the food and they weren't all that crazy about the bedding, but they didn't like the food. And so there was a rule instituted, which somehow in a magical mystery tour kind of way became a new spiritual principle. No complaining. I'm going, yeah, this would be the right weekend to introduce it to. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, no complaining is absolutely magical. I, um, when I moved back here to Seattle and my life was in the crapper, um, it wasn't emotionally and spiritually, but it really was my it, physically is that I doubled down on everything I knew that worked. And one of that was no complaining. And in the midst of everything I was going through, that was a tough one, but boy, I'll tell you that made a big difference. Carrie, you wanted to pick up the threads from before our break. Do you remember where Pick you up were? the lint from before the break. That's yep. right. I'll pick at it right now. Bonnie, you talked about meeting some ladies down in the Phoenix area who adopted the new thought philosophy. There are people who are keenly aware of to what you refer, but there are others are going new thought. What, what, what would that mean? A new thought philosophy. Let's just say in a nutshell version, what does new thought mean to you, Bonnie Barnard? That is Reverend Bonnie Barnard. <laughs> new thought is a uniquely American religious option. And um, it includes unity, divine science, science of mind, also known as the Centers for Spiritual Living. It's a very large umbrella. And it's a metaphysical movement that means that there are spiritual principles across all religions that are the same. And so New Thought has called those out. And it means that you do the work inside, not outside of you. It's an inner path. It's an inner path that nevertheless is responsible in a cause and effect kind of way with consciousness being cause a chief means of manifesting your highest good. And it turns out that that good that you experience ripples out to others so that you become a beneficent influence in your family, in your community, perhaps ultimately the world. That's beautiful. I think that's the benefit. I know that's the benefit to that. I, and I loved how you said it was an American institution, an American strain of philosophy. They say the same thing about pragmatism. Americans are can-do people, at least when we're operating out of our 
better instincts and listen to the higher angels of our nature. And so for new thought to spring up, and originally in Chicago, it, it just really mushroomed in uh, on the West Coast. Oh, my goodness. They're out when uh, that movement took root in Los Angeles, but it originated as a philosophical and religious movement, a spiritual movement in Chicago. And then it fanned well, it out came out there. of the trans it came out of the transcendentalists in part, Gary. In Boston, originally, yeah. they're still regarded as distant cousins, perhaps not of the kissing variety, but there are roots in common. Ralph Waldo Emerson. The idea Absolutely. behind it, if you take charge of your thought life, and I'm saying this by way of just being a, a momentary advocate here, so pardon me, but if you decide to change your mind elegantly and comprehensively, you are going to live your best life as far as I can tell. At any moment in my life where I decided that I couldn't figure out, I would tell myself to step back, you know, use some emotional detachment and allow my subconscious mind to reveal the way forward to me, to come to my aid, to benefit me in various ways. And I can tell you, never, never have I been disappointed in the ways that my subconscious mind took over the machinery, who well became the higher servant of my mentality. And in doing that, I've been pulled out of some jams. I've had opportunities arise that I couldn't have imagined. And I've had reconciliations with people who formerly would have thought of me as an enemy. And yet when we came together, there are those precious moments when we find out that we're not divided by all that much after all. And it happened yes. because I trusted my subconscious mind. In a way, Bonnie, you could say it's a good thing whenever somebody makes a best friend of their own subconscious mind, because after all, it is there to serve you. Yeah. And um, depending upon the time in history that you read new thought material, the subconscious mind is often referred to as God. So there's, there's the subconscious mind and they split it in two to be the subconscious with a small S or the subconscious with a large S or the subconscious and the superconscious, but meaning that part within us that's deeply hidden that we get an opportunity to co-create with is the divine presence within us. You know, in, in the Christian, in Christian language, it would be the Holy Spirit. The, yes, the Holy Spirit, and that's an important distinction to make because long, long ago, I let go of the notion, it was a fundamental belief with which I was raised, that someone, and in Jesus, we had the big someone who did the work for me on the cross, as they say, this is familiar language to people who have any affiliation of, in religion. The idea that someone had to take my sins to the cross and pay the ultimate penalty for, and this is 2000 years ago, but they were going to be the substitutionary sin bearer for all, including me, regardless of who I am, where I live, when I drop in during the long arc of history, and regardless of what I do. And it just occurred to me, wow, I just don't think that we get to take the easy way out. If that offends some people, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive. I'm trying to get real here. It seems to me that if there is cause and effect, if there is the law of karma, which is an elegant expression of cause and effect, 
we're ultimately responsible for who we choose to be at each moment of our lives. It sounds weighty because it is. And yet we have the freedom to choose who we're going to be and how we're going to live. Well, Gary, in, um, in metaphysics, the Bible is read not from a place of a historic document that happens outside of us, but it's read as a metaphysical meaning for what's going on inside. So we have within us a Christ, if you will, a consciousness of Christ, that there are times when we are internally up on a cross in order that, that a part of us die, that we may be reborn again. So that story that has been projected externally is a process that happens internally that we can become awake and aware to, which is so lovely. So um, for a long time, I gave talks at metaphysical churches at Christmas, and I would talk about all of the characters in the Christmas story being aspects of ourself, like the Virgin Mary, the um, unadulterated feminine within us who gives way to God or to the divine presence in order to co-create a new with us, to make new with us. And then the masculine Joseph within us that steps aside, the, the part of us that is so strong, it surrenders and steps aside so that this new creation can happen. So like we can literally take all of the stories of the Bible and look at them as an inner journey. We can look at it almost um, psychologically and see, as Reverend Ike used to say, the, the big time um, metaphysician, that it's the best psychological book that exists on the planet. I would agree with that, especially if you look for the inner meaning, because when I look at the Bible now, it isn't with the kind of fearful reverence that used to be characteristic of my parochial school childhood. I look at it now as a source book of wisdom. That's true in any event, but also as a journey of people, not all men, they were running the show, but men and women, humanity, who in the Bible, which is ab absolutely a library of books rather than just one book, it's a collective multi-century attempt to understand the nature of life, to reach out to a God whom we may presume exists in order to live our lives in a way that we hope will match a greater dimension of life to come. When I look at it in terms of that, it just seems rational. It seems like a peaceful way to explore one's spiritual path. And in our lifetime, there has been so many Bible books that have been discovered out in the desert in a cave somewhere or in underground or whatever that, you know, that, that, um, it, it just seems like every five years, there's a new, um, book that would have a new sacred scripture that would be added to what we call the Bible. And so it brings me to saying, I want to live a life that I can write my own Bible where I have the faith that, allows miracles to happen and that when i feel oppressed that i can co-create with a divine presence that sets me free and that when i screw up i have the opportunity to be resurrected i mean that that i want to be able at the end of my life to have a book written on my journey with this living presence because god didn't die when the bible 
um, when the last chapter of the Bible was written, God is a living presence. It is presence, right? Perhaps this is what the founder of religious science, Ernest Holmes, referred to as being open at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because all four of us could sit around and have a conversation on how God touched our lives in the last week. And that's the whole idea about being alive in, in and with the presence. You know, we could talk about our miracles. We can talk about our healings. And, and that shows that we're in connection with and co-creating and living with divine presence. You know, it might be a good time for us to look at one of the books you wrote. You've written a couple, at least two about affirmations, but one of them has to do with this idea that you can become a person who prays more effectively. That if you know how, if you know what you're doing, you can soon see how you're doing and where you want to go from where you started. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, um, so each religion has brought their own gifts to the party. And one of the things that New Thought brought was a process called affirmative prayer. And it's a five-step step prayer process where you begin in a meditative connection with God and you pray from the um, energy of the divine instead of praying to it. So it's a really beautiful contemplative practice. And um, I wrote a book on that. That's the one that you're referring to called Affirmative Prayer, Becoming mm -hmm. Your Own Answered Prayer. Yes. And then there's a accompanying book that I have with that that's called Qualities of God, Qualities of the Being. And that has 35 different qualities of God. So what all re religions concur is that God is a mystery, but that there's evidence of God that's left behind everywhere in the form of qualities. So in that book, I called out 35 qualities that um, have quotes from different scriptures across all religions. And then there's some affirmations in there. So you can affirm joy or affirm wholeness or affirm peace, affirm love. So um, all 35 of those qualities have um, some affirmations with them. There was something that I was reading on your website, Bonnie, that I wanted to make sure that we got in before the end of the hour. I, I love the conversation about affirmations and about, you know, co-creating your life joyfully. And, you know, I think people struggle with, well, how exactly do I do that? Well, there will be plenty of places and plenty of opportunities for that. But there's also the not so great feelings that are going on, <clears throat> especially at the holidays, things that we talked about earlier. And you said something that really struck a chord with me. And that was, uh, in fact, it was two different quotes. The first one is, feel the offense until it dissipates. And it, I think it's the idea that you, you might visit a certain place, but it doesn't mean you have to move there permanently. So mm -hmm. feel your feelings. But then the second quote, which I, I really like, was leave 
the feeling once you've felt it. And, and I thought, you know, this is kind of a, a nice way to, um, you know, talk in this hour about when people are dealing with difficult feelings. And so I wanted you to say a little bit about that. Well, what's interesting is in the old new thought literature and the old metaphysical literature, they ignore feelings completely and, and they speak to feelings as passions. Okay. <laughs> and so like Gary said, if you can step out of the emotional field and get clear with your subconscious mind, magic can happen. But the thing is, some of us are really wired emotionally. I'm one of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know about you guys, but in my childhood, I was taught crying is bad. I was taught not to cry. I was taught not to be angry. I was, there were emotions to stay away from and I was shamed or made wrong or bad if I experienced them. Hmm. Well, the reality is that every single human being on this planet has access to and can feel every single emotion on the planet. And you could just open a dictionary to any emotion and it's there because it exists, <laughs> right? Right. So, so emotions are energy mm -hmm. and um, God is flow. Um, Einstein would say everything is energy and it shows up in different speeds of light, right? That it, it shows up in different um, frequencies. Yeah. Frequencies. Yeah. So, so emotion is energy and it flows when we stop it research now shows that over 95 percent of illness is from unexpressed emotions yeah they're stuck in our body and they impact because our beings are electric magnetic energetic beings and we get sick when our emotions get stuck so at some point on my spiritual journey, I realized that since everything is God and everything therefore by definition is good, then my emotions are good. Yes. And so I am going to sit with them as though they are the Holy Christ itself, no matter how good or bad they feel. And I'm going to let them rise and fall. And if I don't do that, they're going to get stuck somewhere in my body and I'm going to get sick. And that's too high of a price to pay. Thank you for saying that, because uh, it, especially when you're talking about the highs and lows and the good and the bad, you know, there have been times when I have been struck by something so incredibly joyful and blissful. I can't stay there forever. You would actually look like a crazy person if, if you just were smiling and laughing 24 hours a day. I mean, they'd put you away. But I, I liked the idea of experience that emotion, whether it's, it, it's joyful, if you're grateful, if you're grieving, if you're sad, if you're happy, but don't try to not feel that way. And then you say, feel it until it dissipates and then leave the feeling once it's been felt. And, and it's okay. Even if you're leaving good feelings, you know, you can, you can feel really grateful about something, but feel it entirely. Right. And then move on. 
And if you're feeling sad about something, I think that when, well, I don't want to be sad, you know, I don't, I don't want to cry, I don't want to be sad, that avoidance of that feeling is what you're talking about when people get sick. But what if you just sat with the sadness, five minutes, 10 minutes, half hour, a day, you know, whatever it, it takes, but really be with it until the energy from it begins to leave and let leave that feeling once you have felt it and move on. I think it's the, the not moving on part that really keeps us stuck. And, and when you wrote that, I thought, you know, that was a, a really beautiful idea to share with people today is to feel the feelings absolutely, but don't try to hang on to them. Don't hang on to the bad. Don't hang on to the good. Feel it. And then, yeah. and then let it go. Yeah, I love my blog. And I would recommend anyone who's listening who just has some curiosity to go to my website, bonniebarner.com and to, you know, look at look at the blog. I really thank you and appreciate you for saying that. And um, the more someone meditates, the easier it is, I believe, to sit with a feeling. And when you think about it, um, all, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, all addiction comes out of an inability to feel or an unwillingness to feel. Ah, I and love so, that. um, we are so afraid of our emotions that don't feel good. We will do yeah. almost anything to avoid them. And so I think one of the prizes that, um, we get, on the human journey is when we are willing to have capacity, capacity to love great enough that we're willing to sit with whatever feeling we have that shows up. And it's definitely good for your health. I have heard metaphysical people tell me that among other things, and there you could get into a whole hour's conversation about this, but that if someone, for example, does not smoke, and they don't live with a smoker, and yet they die of lung cancer, look at the unexpressed grief, or yeah. some emotion that needed to be exposed and explored. And then as Suzanne indicates, you let go of it. And people who hold on to that year after year, after decade, will pay a physical toll. Yeah, and I do know, I'm, I'd like to close with this from what you guys have said, but I do know that we each one of us lives in a field that we share with all of humanity. And so if there's a listener out there that's having a really hard time right now, just allow yourself to get quiet and to ask to be guided to that place in the field where you are supported by individuals like the three of us and like others who have dedicated their life to prayer and to the divine presence, because there's a place in that field that can hold you through anything. Thank so, you, Bonnie Barnard. BonnieBarnard.com. Check out her website. Check out the blog. Check out all that wisdom. Thank you, thank Bonnie. You, Bonnie. We'll talk again in 2022. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas. Coming up next, uh, Christine, the Church of Up. Uh, Christine Up Church, followed by uh, Trip Talk with Gary Mance uh, at, uh, this afternoon. At 1 o'clock. Have a great weekend, everyone.